Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. number two of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday. It's June 26th. Bob Kemp, Caleb Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. We'll get into regularly scheduled programming here in just a second. I want to finish a thought that we had uh, concluding hour number one, which was going into the Woj report. The Hawks are finally finalizing a trade to send uh, John Collins to the Jazz for Rudy Gay in a future second-round pick. Would it be fair to say that for the large part of, you know, obviously heading into the playoffs here in this offseason, that when the conversation has been swirling around with the Western Conference in the NBA, that the Jazz have kind of been largely ignored and that maybe that has been the wrong thing to do, that the Jazz are coming because Danny Ainge has the picks, he has the moves, and he's ready to start wheeling and dealing, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, what they need, though, I like some of their young players, and I like Collins, obviously, etc. But they need like a stud to build with the young players, and uh, I don't think they quite have that. So I'm not sure where they could acquire that. But they, they've got uh, plenty to offer, and Danny Ainge's history uh, would lead us to believe that he's certainly going to try. Uh, yes, yeah, so that is what we'll be continuing to monitor with the NBA free agency uh, period getting started on Friday. Players still have until Thursday that have the decisions ahead to opt in, opt out. So we'll kind of dive into that here today and throughout the rest of the week as well. But let's get our number two started as we typically do with the poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which is, was there reason for concern after the Diamondbacks lost two straight at San Francisco before Sunday's series finale victory and the masses maintain the lead on the no side of things at 54% of the vote. Yes. Trailing at 46%. This question was actually inspired. Yes. Inspired. I was inspired yesterday morning to ask this question. I never even thought about it. Watching the first two games, quite frankly, of the Diamondback series against San Francisco uh, but I went uh, up to the corner bagel place yesterday morning and the table next to me, this was a fired up discussion between a couple of, I'm assuming Diamondbacks fans who seemed like there was going to be, you know, you know, we're just going to, the season's over because they just lost two in a row to San Francisco. So that's kind of where my thought process came from here. Uh, so that's, uh, that, that's where that stemmed from. And, uh, you know, didn't I didn't chime in. I didn't want to you know, say, you know, they've won 23 or 35 road games, and they were before this weekend 8-0 and 1 in their last nine road series uh, because I didn't want to, you know, basically start a fight or anything. So I'm just trying to be a 
call him a human being, but uh, these guys were carrying on. That uh, you know, I even had my little ear pods in, and I could still hear them. So <laughs> it, it was a uh, it was a big deal uh, in the uh, in the bagel place yesterday morning. Very good. Uh, we'll answer that question in its entirety <laughs> around. Uh, 11.30 today, tossing it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, where the first place Reds exposed while losing two of three at home to the first place Braves. No leading the way at 91.7% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 8.3% of the vote. Yeah, I already kind of answered this question in the last hour, um, but uh, for people who had missed it, uh, I'll try to save as much as I can here for the real answer later in the hour. Uh, but uh, the Reds have now lost five out of six games this year to the Braves. We'll answer that one as well around 1130. There's still uh, time in this hour for Diamondbacks tickets. We're giving away a four-pack where you could spend July 4th at Chase Field enjoying some baseball in the air conditioning as the Diamondbacks are taking on the <laughs> Mets. Uh, the, yeah, who, will, you, who will be on that? Will Buck Showalter still be the manager of the Mets? Who will be on their, you know, they... Well, they have dumped players by then. Well, you know, Steve Cohen decided we need to we need to buy more players. You know, so there's an tr- intrigue in itself. There is the intrigue side. in itself, and uh, certainly air conditioning is needed as it's supposed to be well, that's hot true. this week and uh, I think beyond. Although I did see, I'm getting sidetracked here, I did see, though, that yesterday <laughs> when it reached 111 degrees, that this is the latest it's been uh, since it reached 111 degrees. So we had like a bit of a reprieve here in the month of June. Oh. So normally it averages yes. itself several weeks earlier. So yay us. There's no, no doubt about that. I've been walking it's like 6.20 in the morning for a little while, and uh, it's been very nice. 15,000 fans, though, receive a patriotic tee. Visit dbacks.com slash tickets to secure your seats now, and we'll have that four-pack here a little bit later on in the show. In addition to that, uh, we'll take your calls today around 11, uh, 15, 602, 260, 1060 is the number. Before I hop back into NBA, I wanted to make sure that we touched briefly on the Travelers Championship with Keegan Bradley as the champion. Uh, He finished the event at 23 under par in a three-shot win over Zach Blair and Brian Harmon. Uh, Keegan Bradley, a native of the New England area, so really cool for him uh, to get a victory at kind of a hometown event, an event that he grew up going to as a kid. Uh, Zach Blair competing on a major medical exemption, doing a lot of great stuff for himself to re-earn and establish his tour card moving forward, so he's on the right track there. As I mentioned, though, This tournament certainly gives yourself an opportunity to have an array of style of golfers at the top of the leaderboard, and I think we saw that. Keegan, though, uh, we had him as a top 30 finisher, so we cashed that. We didn't have him as an outright. How silly were we? But congratulations to him for his sixth career PGA Tour tour win. And Scotty Scheffler just continues his incredible run of golf. He had a tie for fourth finish. Scotty, this is just how good it is. It's been. He has not finished outside of 15th place since October of 2022 at the CJ Cup. 
That is some golfing your ball. And this is all being done right now with the struggles and the losing of the strokes gained on the greens. So really just impressive golfing and ball striking by Scotty Scheffler here over the last several months. Um, In addition to just kind of where things are at, And this particular event, Rory McIlroy was uh, quoted as saying after Sunday's final round that unfortunately technology has passed this course by. It sort of has made it obsolete, especially as soft as it has been with a little bit of rain that we have. Rory has been one of the few outspoken pros for rolling the golf ball back and how he is all for it. And this is one of the examples that he's citing here. The question I think that people have to kind of Ask themselves here as a fan, did you enjoy watching this event with 23 under par winning? Did you enjoy seeing Denny McCarthy and Ricky Fowler each shooting 60? Did you enjoy seeing Patrick Cantlay shoot 61? It's not like this course has been immune to low scores before. Jim Jim Furyk has has shot a 58 on this golf course. So uh, it's just a lot more guys are really good. The technology is really solid. This is what you're seeing in a course that's just 6,800 yards for these players here the pga tour will be at the rocket mortgage classic in detroit this week and will of course so uh, how, how would you answer how would you answer your own question there well i i think each event has kind of a place like i don't want to see 23 under par for the majors i think this particular type of event i don't have a problem with seeing it at 23 under par um i think technology has been a very good thing um and, and then I think we also get into a real challenge because if you're growing up playing with a certain type of golf ball or a certain type of club specs as an amateur, at what point do you kind of deem in your progress of getting better that you're good enough that you want to go pro, that you have to now suddenly change equipment, change balls, change everything that you're doing to be ready and eligible for the professional ranks? You know, you don't have that issue in basketball. You don't have that issue in football. Everyone has the same, you know, at, at some point the, the ball that you play with is the, the standard regulation ball. The equipment is the same. The hoop is the same size so I think you get into some really challenging um, issues when the pros are playing different equipment than the amateurs and if you're trying to develop the game that's 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 really hard to accomplish okay so I think a lot of people you know, I think people were wondering what you would think of that so hence I asked the question well thank you for asking uh we'll, Not a problem <laughs> we'll take your calls as I mentioned around 11 15 602 260 1060 let's jump ship to the NBA and the Suns I think this is just going to be a, a frequent thing that we're going to see almost every day every weekend we're going to come back with something new on the horizon it did become official with Bradley Beal joining the Suns team we also have uh, the quotes from Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report and TNT saying that the Suns are moving forward with the plan of keeping DeAndre Ayton to play alongside Devin Booker Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal this though is on the heels of Saturday's report that the Suns were interested in the 70s Sixers Tobias Harris but would need a third team to be involved to take on Ayton because the 76ers not interested in Ayton 
as of now, this particular trade isn't happening. But I was just curious what your perception of Tobias Harris's game is. Uh, Has he been a byproduct of the way that Harden and Embiid run their offense? Or has there been a bit of a difference in his game from when he first came into the league in 2011-2012 to now here wrapping up the 2022-2023 season? I've always thought he should be better, but I don't know if it's his fault. (laughs) I know it maybe doesn't seem to make any sense, but I think he's got enormous talent. Liked him at Tennessee, and he certainly had moments of uh, really good play in the NBA. Uh, But I don't watch a ton of regular season games, as we've pretty well established the last couple of years. But I've certainly watched him in the playoffs, and – I don't, there's stretches where he never gets the ball. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's his fault. And I really don't even think it was, you know, Doc Rivers' fault or whomever has been their coach. It's been, you know, two or three different guys. But I just think that he's played with guys that aren't going to throw him, him or anybody else the ball so in some cases. Yeah, he ended up playing 74 games in the regular season this past season, 32.9 minutes per game, 14.7 points per game. field goal percentage, 38.9% from three, 5.7 rebounds a game. Um, And uh, yeah, you're, you're waiting for him to really break out. But I do think it's just the way that the 76ers have run their offense because there were just periods of time when... I mean, I know we kind of marveled at the fact that P.J. Tucker, sometimes his stat line is that he doesn't even shoot the ball. But the rest of the four guys uh, on on the team there, uh, some of them just don't even touch the ball ever. It's really amazing how you don't get everyone involved on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, just to use the Suns' viewpoint here, I don't know how Harris would fit in with uh, Booker and Durant and Beal. I mean, it just seems to be kind of a duplication. Uh, Maybe, you know, I think Beal is a better player, but, you know, they do some similar things. But I just don't know how if those four guys, Booker, Durant, Beal, and and, and, and and Harris, if they were on the same team, how could that possibly work? I don't even think Durant, Booker, and Beal are going to work. Is it fair to Aiton, is it fair to the team that hearing the report of the Suns are moving forward with the plan of keeping DeAndre Ayton to play alongside Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal just seems like the thing that they're saying now until a better trade offer does come around. Well, the first thing I thought of is this sounds like a plant to the media, either from the Suns uh, to get a better offer or from Ayton's agent. Uh, Just seemed to be... It doesn't. If they want to add like any bench, it seems like trading Aiton is the only thing they could possibly do. Uh, yeah, because you have to get the the salaries to to match up. I did see here that uh, for workouts, Chris Haynes, Chris Haynes seems to be clued in here on the Suns and really reporting a lot of information about the team. Uh, he's reporting that they're hosting free agent workouts Wednesday with Jabari Parker and Stanley Johnson. Wow. Uh, Stanley Johnson, a much heralded University of Arizona player for one year. Uh, he's had a few good moments in the NBA. I forgot now who the first guy, who's say first? Uh, Jabari Sorry. Parker. Uh, I don't even, I, he's, God bless him, 
I mean, he was like the best high school player in the country when he was a senior in high school, but that was 100 years ago. And he's had lots of injuries. I, I didn't even realize he was still in the league. Neither did I. Uh, and the last I thought I had known about Stanley Johnson, he was kind of floating back and forth. Uh, well, I guess not this year, but uh, Stanley Johnson, I thought, like had had some time with obviously the Pistons and then uh, with the Lakers. I don't know yeah, why that's so, in my head. No, he was there uh, at one time. So he's a really good athlete. I think he was a much better college player than an NBA guy because, you know, last I watched him with any frequency, you wondered if he was ever going to make a shot. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join, join the conversation. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Eleven twenty-three, right here on KDOS AM ten sixty. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS ten sixty dot com and with the KDOS ten sixty app, powered by SuperBook Sports. Suggest you download the app today. Register and follow along with your opportunity to win a one hundred dollar gift certificate from SuperBook Sports. Let's continue some NBA conversation here, and some of the things that kind of caught my attention as circulating around and whether or not they have merit to it or not. I mean, that's the the big thing that we have to figure out because the free agency period uh, gets started in the NBA where teams can finally start talking to free agents if they haven't already uh, on Friday. You think they've already talked to them? Come on, (laughs) Kayla, that's illegal. Uh, Yeah, I just said the quiet part out loud, didn't I? Uh, They They can't do that. So uh, that's officially getting started on Friday. A lot of players have uh, decisions to make ahead of Thursday's midnight deadline, whether or not they're going to opt in, opt out. So now you're just kind of getting and trying to sift through the rumor mill and who's planting what out there. Uh, Does Draymond Green return to the Warriors I mean, is it really a foregone conclusion that they got rid of Jordan Poole, bringing in Chris Paul, that that means there's going to be room money-wise for Draymond Green, but does it mean he's going back there? Because do the Sacramento Kings legitimately have interest in Draymond Green? Well, I think they do, because obviously Mike Brown's the guy, but it seemed like last night there was a report that Draymond was going to go back and get a multi-year contract with the Warriors, but I might have heard that wrong, but I don't think so. Um, but you know, it was kind of assumed. You know, we talked to Sean Devaney about this on Friday, and he was on our, on our side here, at least my side on this. It sure seemed like when they got rid of Jordan Poole that that uh, was in part to make sure Draymond stays. Uh, and, of course, you, you do know that you they have the, the relationship factor there between the Kings head coach, Mike Brown, spending time in the Warriors organization, so he knows what he would be getting with Draymond Green and having that kind of veteran uh, presence for the young Kings team. Also, though... Kings have the fourth most cap space of any NBA team this summer, so that's just something to monitor. Yeah, I'm still not quite buying the Kings. I know we saw some good things last year, but you know they had uh, if they were if they really were good, shouldn't they have just finished the Warriors off in that series? And they you know, blew two opportunities at home against the bad Warriors road team last year. They lost them, lost game five and game seven. 
So it wouldn't shock me if the Kings were kind of kind of a about above average at best team next year. I, uh, I, my two points, I guess, whether or not I believe in it or not, just to play devil's advocate. One, De'Aaron Fox and his injury to his hand. Two, um, the young mentality, mindset, kind of frenetic, everything speeding up. Uh, did that play a factor where the Warriors, been there, done that, that portion took over for them in that series? It certainly played a role for sure. The other thing I'd like to add is I said this before that series even started, and uh, you know, I just blame the Pacers on everything that goes wrong, but Sabonis did, wasn't good in the playoffs this past year either. He's got a horrible, and I mean really horrible, James Harden-like playoff history. Is Paul George really going anywhere away from the Clippers here? His name has been floated now as available. He averaged here over uh, just over 47 games per season in his four years with the Clippers. Uh, The deal you would have to think based upon just the makeup of this Clippers roster that if they're moving on from Paul George, they would want veteran talent in return. They wouldn't want a bunch of young players coming back. So would any team actually be happily to oblige in this? Not sure because you know, first up, you need to know what his injury situation is. The last thing we saw and heard, it wasn't good. Even though there was speculation that if they would actually beat the Suns, he might have played the next series. But he did list, miss the, roughly the last you know two months of the season if you count the playoffs roughly. Uh, so we'll see. Also, you know, I would think uh, that if he were gonna maybe leave that would Tyron Luce still be the head coach of the Clippers? Wouldn't he have just found something else? Uh, if you have, if you believe in the reports that the Suns were interested or all of that, so you'd Mil- have to think. Milwaukee, Milwaukee was the big team supposedly after him, or at least most interested, I guess. And uh, you'd have to think, though, this, that there's something else for, you know, Paul George's and Kawhi Leonard, it, I, would you consider it to be a failure at this point or just kind of maybe what to be expected with some of the injury history that these two players have, that when they're on the court, it's just amazing talent, but it hasn't produced the playoff wins and obviously zero championships? Yeah, I'm not real sure how I'd describe it, but I think I, I would maybe just say it just didn't work. And I can't imagine that it's going to at this point because you've got two guys that unfortunately have had multiple different injuries and have not been able to be healthy when it's mattered the most. And as they get older, I can't imagine that's going to get any better. Uh, Then you also have James Harden. Is he really going back to Philly? He has until Thursday to make a decision on whether or not he's opting into his $35.6 million player option. If he does opt out, he can sign four years, $210 million with the 76ers or four years, $201.7 million with another team. But is Philly kind of backed into a situation where do they have a choice in not pulling out the full court press to bring him back? Yeah, and once again, there's another thing I did see this morning on ESPN that seems like this is he's staying. Um, you know, that was uh, one of their lead stories on whatever they, the Greenberg show was called in the morning. Um, uh, get get up, up or whatever it is. Okay, I got that right. How about that? Uh, but uh, you know, I, I was somewhat interested 
because of Harden's ASU connection, but they seem to think that this is a done deal. He's staying. You got the Daryl Morey, James Harden love affair. Uh, no matter, you know, I guess, how many places can you fail with the same player as one of your core players before you give up on him? Daryl Morey apparently hasn't learned his lesson yet. Uh, then you have the Hawks that we keep hearing about them in a variety of different ways. What we do know for sure has taken place, according to Adrian Wojnarowski today, is that John Collins is off to the Utah Jazz in return for Rudy Gay and a second round pick. One of the things that I've heard floated out, I've heard a lot of things floated out there about the Hawks, but another one has been uh, Pascal Siakam from the Raptors. But uh, at some point here, the Hawks are going to have to un- load some of these names that they have been floating for years which they just did with John Collins the mandate to get underneath the cap but also if you're going to move forward with DeJounte Murray his contract is coming up after this upcoming season yeah and they also added a guard in the draft the other night which I immediately thought to myself "Ooh, this means that Trey Young's out of there for sure <laughs> so I mean, I'm like, how many guys have to have the ball? Uh, there's already, you know, I don't think that you know, Murray and, and Young fit at all. And they added another guy that absolutely, I'm, I'm gone blank here, and I'm trying to find his name on the run here, but I'm not having, oh, Buffkin, the dude from Michigan, uh, who was actually uh, really, he's a good player, by the way. I think he's a, he plays defense, which is if he plays defense once and gets one stop, that automatically is better than Trey Young in his entire career. So that's an improvement there. But, yeah, I just don't know how these parts fit. I mean, it seems like they've got, you know, duplicate players at several positions. And uh, I'm obviously not a Trey Young fan, and uh, I would never want him on my team. And I said that before. I said that when he was at Oklahoma, uh, let alone when he was with the Hawks. And he's done nothing in his NBA career to change my mind. I don't care if they had the one playoff run against the Hawks. I think that was more against the Knicks. Excuse me. I think that was the more the Knicks just completely, you know, not being any good. And Julius Randle was terrible in that series, which is shocking because he, along with you know, Harden. And also Sabonis uh, have bad playoff histories, and nobody should be surprised if Randall doesn't step up when it matters the most. Uh, the teams can start negotiating with uh, – there are more than 100 free agents right now. Uh, teams can start negotiating Friday at 3 p.m. local time. You also have some players avoiding uh, the situation of entering free agency. That's Nas Reed and the Timberwolves' three years, $42 million contract extension for him. I actually like him, which uh, we talked about that. He got hurt here against the Suns, or maybe in Minnesota against the Suns. He got hurt against the Suns uh, when uh, – he's a he's a good player. I don't think he's a – yeah, he's not a, a, a guy that you want to build your team around, but he's a real – I think he's a very good player on a team that is already good and has other players that can be the stars and you can build around them. Josh Hart and the Knicks have extended the deadline of his $12.9 million player option until Thursday. Uh, so I don't know if that's good news, bad news, that they've extended the deadline for the two to, to figure out what direction to go. I would guess it's a good thing or they wouldn't have done it. Uh, so, But I'm a Josh Hart guy, but I'm pretty much uh, 
a fan of any Villanova player except for Cam Whitmore from my, from this past year. Any Villanova player that played for Jay Wright, uh, I'm probably a fan of. Whether I liked them in college or whether uh, he's you know those guys know how to play when they get to the NBA. And Hart, uh, you know, he had some, you know, some nice moments. You know, the, the, the whatever nice moments the Knicks had, I guess it was against the Cavaliers. Uh, in the post uh, last postseason here, but he's a good player. I would like to have him. Very similar uh, to what we just talked about. That I think he's a a guy that you know, he's better than Nas Reed, but he's a guy that I'd like to have on my team. But he's not going to be a guy you you know have as a centerpiece of a team. Victor Wembenyana, uh, he will be in summer league with San Antonio. He'll face Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson in the first two summer league games uh, for San Antonio. Summer league play gets started July 7th in Las Vegas with all 30 teams participating. The Suns' first game will be on July 8th on NBA TV. As it is right Who will be on the Suns' team? We don't even know who's going to be on their regular season team, let alone the let alone the summer league. Uh, yeah, we're a ways away from figuring out how that's going to get filled out. There's plenty of their own free agents that they have decisions to make about. Uh, plenty of, well, bringing in some free agent workouts on Wednesday, according to Chris Haynes there with Jabari Parker and Stanley Johnson, and I'm sure those are just a few names. So lots of decisions got, ahead. Yeah, they got to do this summer league thing like this week, at least for a roster. I mean, they got to do something. Right now, it's caller number three, 602-260-1060. You are the winner of the four-pack of tickets to the Diamondbacks game against the New York Mets on July 4th from Chase Field. Secure your tickets at dbacks.com slash tickets. First 15,000 fans receive a patriotic tee, but you could go on us, 602-260-1060. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you. 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Suggest you download the KDOS app, register, and follow along with the opportunity to give yourself a chance at $100 gift card courtesy of Superbook Sports. It's going through the month of June, which is shockingly just a few more days away. But in addition to that, congratulations to our winner for the Diamondbacks tickets to the July 4th fourth game at Chase Field against the Mets. The first 15,000 fans to the game will receive a patriotic tee. Visit dbacks.com slash tickets to secure your seats. Now we'll have more four packs throughout the rest of the week, but it's time to turn our attention to the poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question. Diamondback theme was their reason for concern after the Diamondbacks lost two straight at San Francisco before Sunday's series finale victory. Yes or no? No, absolutely no. I mean, I think that uh, the panic had set in, apparently. Uh, People don't realize they'd won 23 of their 35 road games this season before they lost the first two games to San Francisco. They had uh, been unbeaten in their last nine road series. That's on the road series, 8-0-1. 
in those nine series before this past weekend. And uh, while I'm not really you know, you know, particularly enthused about them being able to stay in first place unless they add some starting pitching to uh, Kelly and Gallon. Uh, the, the reason for concern because they lost the first two games at San Francisco, I think, is just kind of nuts. Yeah, I wouldn't say reason for concern. I mean, we've known what the struggles have been for this team when it comes to pitching. So for some of those struggles to um, not present themselves uh, and then when they do to suddenly hit the panic meter seems a little um, unrealistic as to what we've been seeing with this team. I I do think that, you know, if you want to hone in on Merrill Kelly and his start and that it was a rough outing, I think you have to, first of all, take a step back and say, well, he's been really good for a really long time now since he kind of got things sorted out after not really being a part of spring training and being with the World Baseball Uh, Team USA and this is only his first loss of the season on the road so I I think that you kind of have to throw that particularly out the window Uh, I know that you've talked about a lot about how the Diamondbacks are really in a position where they need to win Gallon and Kelly's starts Uh, but I just think overall it continues to show where the areas of improvement have to come from from this Diamondbacks team and we already know about it so it's not all of a sudden a cause for concern. Yeah, I'll just add a couple of more things. Uh, he got really hurt by two bad defensive plays in that game. Corbin Carroll just flat dropping a routine fly ball to center field. I have no idea what Jake McCarthy was doing on the ball that was hit to right center, which you know wasn't going to be an out, but he could have cut it off, and that cost the Diamondbacks at least one run there. Uh, so those things played roles. In addition, the Giants – do have the best record in baseball since May the 1st. Uh, and they were on a ridiculous run, including last week when they'd won 10 in a row before they lost on Thursday night uh, against San Diego after they'd beaten the Padres the first three games of that series. Now, the other side of this is the Giants, I'm sure, and I haven't had time to look this morning, or I actually didn't even think to look this morning, but uh, Saturday and Sunday, you know, they're a big relief pitching team because they only have three starters they actually you know they did over the weekend uh you know you know once uh uh actually twice uh i was right the first time one time on saturday uh the game that they won they actually started with a a bull it's a bullpen game they lost three relief pitchers uh one on saturday uh, two on saturday one on sunday to injuries during the game they didn't seem to be serious injuries, but you know they can't afford to lose anybody in their, you know, bullpen or if their rotation's already thin, uh, and so forth. So that's just kind of taking the other side of who they were playing here. But they were playing a team that is really hot, playing their best, and they had two bad games. I have a question on the Giants side of things, though. Um... Has your opinion of Gabe Kapler as a manager changed over the course of his tenure with the Giants? Not well. The first year was was that the first year was there when they won 107? <laughs> so it was either the first year or the second year. It has since he was in Philadelphia when you know, his first year there was a complete disaster and he didn't know the rules a couple of times of changing pitchers and. 
There was the one time early in his first year in Philadelphia where he actually went to the mound to change pitchers, and actually they didn't have anybody warming up at the time uh, in the bullpen to replace the pitcher. Uh, so yeah, that, he was the village idiot there, plus he was in Philadelphia, and that was even a bigger deal than it probably would be elsewhere. But uh, yeah, but they've got a really good organization. Farham Zaidi is the uh, general manager, and I think everybody thinks highly of him, his days in Tampa and also with the Dodgers. And he's done a tremendous job with the roster. They have a lot of really good young players who I think are actually contributing more this season than they ever imagined would contribute this season. Yeah, you know, they've had seven rookies that have actually been, I think it's safe to say, key contributors so far this season. And I don't think they thought more than a couple of those guys would be at any time this season. So they've uh, the organization is much better. And uh, you know, that uh, you know, he hasn't screwed it up, even though uh, there's some, you know, Tori Lavello wasn't very happy with him yesterday when he thought that the third pitching injury in two days was the guy really wasn't that hurt. He heard that on the, the dugout, Mike, if you were watching the game on uh, on uh, Valley Sports Arizona yesterday. And, you know, Lavello, you know, just basically, you could hear him say, He's not injured when they went to the mound to try to get an injury replacement for the pitcher. But uh, so, you know, to answer your question about Kapler, yeah, certainly he's after his horrible start as a manager, and he would never been a major league manager before he was in Philadelphia. He was in the Dodgers minor league system. I don't even know if he was a minor league manager. He was like the, you know, I know he was in the farm system as a maybe a personnel guy. But anyway, sorry to the longest answer of all time here. Uh, but you know, he's he's better than what he was before. But I think the Giants' success has just as much to do with the front office, and you know they pretty much have uh, the analytics approach that we kind of tell you before the game starts what you're going to do. The masses, back to the question here. I got a sidetracked. Sorry. Was, nah, that Sorry. was my fault. Was there reason for concern after well, you the— should know better. You should know better by now. <laughs> True. Was there reason yeah. for concern after the Diamondbacks lost two straight at San Francisco before Sunday's series finale? The masses are on the no side of things at 60% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 40%. That's the KDOS1060.com poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, where the first place Reds exposed while losing— Losing two of three at home to the first place Braves. I think exposed really comes down to the definition of what you thought of the Reds in the first place. Like, did you think that the Reds were this fun team that had won 12 in a row, uh, that they have a lot of really fun pieces on this team, and how far can they go? But then in addition to that, the Braves, if they are not the best team in baseball, they are one of the best teams in baseball. So it's um, kind of a, a stepping stone and a ladder that you have to climb so i wouldn't necessarily say exposed i just think it shows uh the the reds where they're at when they stack up against a team like the braves yeah i i could make the case for exposed you know spencer strider didn't even pitch over the weekend for the braves so it wasn't like they had their you know their you know what still they what they still have pitching wise uh set up to face you know the reds mighty lineup also, if, if you watch, if people watch the three games, you have one team that did the, both these teams have a lot of really good young players. 
one team knows how to play baseball and the other team does not. And they've lost uh, they've lost five out of six games against the Braves this season. All of those have been one-run games. You could maybe say, okay, that's really good that the Reds were able to hang close there. But they've lost at least a couple of those games because they just don't pay attention to detail or don't know how to play, uh, and the Braves do. As for the masses, they are on the no side of things at 91.7% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 8.3%. This is Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060. There's only uh, one, two, three, four, five, six games in baseball today. Uh, one of those includes the Reds, though, taking on the Orioles, the Brewers, yeah. and the Mets, the Twins, and the Braves. Tigers and Rangers, White Sox and Angels and Nationals and Mariners, but certainly that Reds and Orioles matchup looks uh, enticing. Definitely is. I mean, uh, you know, a talent scout uh, festival here as far as young prospects. Both teams have a bevy. There's a good word. A bevy. Yes, thank you very much. Made up for my other failures earlier, (laughs) hopefully. But uh, they've got tons of young talent and almost all of his you know, young position talent, position players. Uh, so to see all these guys in the field uh, is pretty fun. That's going to be a fun series to watch in Baltimore. Also, uh, you know, Baltimore uh, you know, making it even a little more fun uh, by calling up their top prospect, uh, one of their top prospects. They've got several of them. But uh, yeah, Jordan Westberg is up, and he's going to play his make his major league debut tonight against the Reds. I assume he's going to make his debut. They called him up. I don't think they called him up to sit him. Uh, so yeah, they got another good player out there, and yeah, they've got there's tons of talent out there now. I don't really trust either team starting pitching in the long haul, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I think I'm giving you the word of the day with Bevy. That tops intrigue. Okay, well, the intrigue thing was extremely well-placed considering the conversation at the time. Perfect at the time, in fact. I appreciate the context surrounding my choice of intrigue. Yeah, it was was the word to use, which I didn't use. And once again, I talked way too long before not coming up with the word intrigue, and you came up with it in like a split second. We're just having some fun here on a Monday, June 26th, and we'll wrap it up on the other side of the bridge. You, you might be having fun with that, but yeah, just yeah, kind of dogging myself here. <laughs> we'll wrap it up on the other side of the break. It's the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. And it's that time once again. It is thank you time. 
As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, Matt Schneider from CBSSports.com, got into the Diamondbacks a lot right off the bat with Matt and got into, uh, among other things, uh, the Dodgers and the Giants and a little bit the Padres. Matt kind of went off on that. I gave him the option of whether he want to talk about the Padres or not anymore at this point after they have lost two out of three over the weekend to, to Washington, of all teams, in San Diego. And they just got embarrassed yesterday. But anyway, uh, that was our, uh, the, uh, the, the, the bulk of our conversation with Matt. Sound day courtesy of Valley Sports Arizona. Also, Atlanta ATL 680. ESPN, WFAN, KMOX in St. Louis. Special thanks, as always, to uh, Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Who with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. I'm seeing this report here from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network that uh, the 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy is headed to Jacksonville today to throw the next couple of weeks with quarterback coach Will Hewitt and ortho specialist Tom Gormerly. And so it's another sign that Purdy is progressing through his rehab. Why are you going to Jacksonville? I'm confused. Uh, I don't know, because I was about to say that uh, it's warmer than San Francisco, but it's also humid and gross in Jacksonville, so I'm not sure. At yeah. this time it is of definitely year, warmer, it's definitely warmer in San Francisco after, after watching the, the Giants play six road games last week. Seven, seven road games last week. There were a couple of games where the fans were freezing there. They were bundled up. The 2023 NBA draft averaged 3.74 million viewers and became a draft record. The previous record was 3.738 million in 2015. Uh, And then you have Bradley Beal officially becoming a Phoenix Sun, and he exits the Wizards. I don't know that I realized this after 11 years with the franchise. Yeah, they were in a regional here with Florida. He was, I think, a freshman on that team, so that was a long time ago. I didn't realize 11 years, but yeah, he's been around. As always, we appreciate you taking time out of your day listening to us here on KDOS AM 1060. Finish up your Monday great, and Bob, when the Sports Zone will be with you tomorrow starting at 9 a.m.